0: Hello, and welcome to Department 12, where we talk about everything IO Psych. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. And about a year ago, I talked to Dr. Mike Yurick about a book series he's editing called Exploring Effective Leadership Practices Through Popular Culture. In that interview, we talked about the first book in the series written by Mike himself on leadership practices in Star Wars. We also talked about Why using popular culture to illustrate leadership practices is a good idea. So I won't be recovering that ground again here. Today, we're going to focus on a new book in this series. This one focused on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm speaking with the book's co-authors and returning guests here on the show, Dr. Gordon Schmidt and Dr. Sai Islam. Welcome back, guys. Great to be here. Glad to be back. Let's start with you, Gordon. You're an associate professor of organizational leadership at Purdue Fort Wayne, as well as a consultant. Can you tell me about your first memory of Marvel?
1: My first memory of comics, and uh, really, I got into comics through my dad and started with a lot of the series I liked as a kid. So shows like G.I. Joe and Transformers through my dad liked to buy things and sell them for profit at the garage sale. And he bought a big box of comic books that had a bunch of Marvel superheroes. Uh, Spider-Man and uh, Avengers were two things that really resonated for me in that box. And that got me out of the toy license books into this huge world of superheroes through Marvel, you know, with Avengers and Spider-Man, which are all in this book <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that we've written now. So that was kind of the big intro. Like I've seen some of those things, but that was really where I read them in comic form and said, I like Spider-Man. I I like the Avengers when I was just mm. kind of aware a little bit.
0: Sai Islam is an associate professor of IO psychology at Farmingdale State College as well as the co-founder and vice president of Consulting with Talent Metrics. Sai, same question as Gordon. What got you going with Marvel?
2: So I remember when I was a kid, my parents were trying to get me to read and at the time my older brother, he really loved comic books, and he had a huge box of comics and I think my parents and my brother thought, well, you know maybe maybe he'll like comics and uh, I remember the first comic book that i I actually read was uh, the mighty thor i think I want to say number one thirty eight where he fights the gray gargoyle and i thought I thought it was okay, and I started looking through some of the other comics that that my brother had, and they were mostly 70s era Avengers comics and Captain America, specifically Captain America and the Falcon. My brother for some reason had a ton of Jack Kirby issues and those really got me hooked and I, you know, he also had a lot of Fantastic 4 and so you know we talk about Captain America in the book and the other the other interesting thing about the the book and and comics in general is my dad I think only had or only knew one piece of psychology when I was when I was younger, and that was positive reinforcement. So if I got good grades, my dad would take me to the comic book store or, you know, when when I was really young, there wasn't really a comic book store in the area, you would have to go to a spinner rack at a local convenience store. And he would just be like, All right, you did pick something from the rack. And I just started picking up comic books. And it sort of became a habit. Uh, And I really fell in love with the art form. And it's it's become An art form that I could have been reading over the last, like, my God, 30, over 30 years now. My goodness.
0: Let's jump back to Gordon. IO psychology is notorious for having dozens, I don't know, maybe hundreds of definitions and theories about leadership. And given that you're writing a book about leadership, how did you and Psy conceptualize leadership for the purposes of this book?
1: So... You know, i teaching in a leadership program, sort of have a well-developed concept of leadership, but I also think it makes sense to keep it simple. Uh, But to me, leadership is a process. So we're not just looking at somebody who's got a fancy title, and it's a process of influencing other people to either think or behave in a way differently than they would on their own. So for leaders to matter, they're really influencing really what people do and how they think. And it's not just getting somebody to do something they would have done already. It's having sort of a tangible impact on that, on that person. Uh, and it's not just this person's my, my official boss, so they're influencing me. Uh, we all have influence on other people, have an impact on things. And even if you're technically the boss, you should be influenced by your followers often. So that's kind of the perspective we bring, which I think to some degree is, is empowering because it's not just... When I'm the CEO, I'll be a leader. It's all of us can have impact now and have influence on others. So that's kind of perspective.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Back to you, Sy. I know that you and Gordon are both Marvel fans and the MCU movies are among the most popular movies in the world. Is that why you chose to write this book about Marvel or is there something about the MCU that makes it well-suited to discuss leadership practices?
2: Well, I think part of it is that it it is really a big part of the culture, and and, and to be honest, I, I, Gordon and I talked about this a little bit as we were writing the book. That when we were kids, it, if you would never imagine that Marvel Comics would be such a big part of, in in fact, the dominant you know film style of the current century, which is kind of nuts. Because when I was a kid, it wasn't wasn't that cool to like comic books, mm-hmm. and now you know people are wearing. I mean, I could buy almost any type of Marvel Comics merchandise, just at the local store. So it's it's kind of shocking that it's been uh, such a big part of, you know, a big part of the culture now. But I would say that one of the really great things about comics is when you're a kid and you talk about any of the comic book characters, we always talk about who's the strongest, who's the fastest, who's the smartest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, you know, when, as Gordon and I were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe we could see so many connections and so many different types of leaders that were popping up in these movies. In some cases, intentionally, you know, you know, when you look at the difference between somebody like Captain America and Iron Man, and sometimes, you know, much more subtly when you look at, you know, Spider-Man and the variety of different ways in which he both accepts leadership and, and provides leadership. So we really saw those connections, and it seemed like such a natural fit for a discussion around leadership both from the perspective of wow people actually will want to kind of you know think about their their movie experiences and these stories a little bit more deeply but also because there's a lot of great examples in in the movies that are very relatable i think to uh, to the fans
0: and it seems like relative to other comic series or comic companies that interaction between the protagonists Either formally as part of a team or as part of crossover episodes or crossover issues, I should say, has been kind of part of the Marvel DNA from the start. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. One of the big differences
2: between DC and Marvel, at least in the beginning in the in the early 60s, was that Marvel characters were seen as much more human. You know, for example, Peter Parker, Spider Man, he has he has money problems. Right, mm-hmm. like you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman does not really have any money problems. We don't really get to see that part of it, and so there's an element to Marvel where those characters are a little bit more down to earth. That's changed a little bit as the characters from DC have changed as well. But definitely, that's something that we see very much in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they're you know they're very character focused. They're focused on decisions and the consequences of those decisions, and that also. Makes it a great way to think about uh, leadership because leaders make choices and those choices have consequences. And you know this gives us a great way to kind of think about leadership in a in a safe space where we can have these debates about what should somebody have done, you know, to avoid the civil war between uh, you know Marvel cinematic heroes or how should they have handled that's just natural. And especially if you spent an inordinate amount of time on the internet arguing about comic books, as I might have in college. You know that that's definitely par for the course for what comic book uh, fans tend to do and now i think mcu fans tend to do the same
0: yeah to jump back to what you said that you and gordon were discussing before the show started was you know the surprise of marvel being just such a massive part of popular culture i am in in my early 40s now so for me childhood was the 80s and the 90s and Especially as you go back to the eighties, there was more of a a sense of mainstream culture when you had, you know, three basic broadcast channels. Um, Everybody knew who Johnny Carson was, for example, everyone, you know, knew it was the same basic daily news we were watching. And that seems to have faded out as things have become more and more specialized, but The closest we have to a mass popular culture that maybe like globally everyone can relate to is, you know, one, maybe hating COVID-19, but two is probably the Marvel Cinematic Universe just because of its enormous popularity. And there's a great alignment here between the popularity of this work and the fact that to your point that the content and the themes within that work really lend themselves well to, to illustrating and discussing leadership practices. So we've talked about where, uh, this came from. Let's talk about the reader, Gordon. So a book like this has multiple audiences, of course, but when you imagine like the perfect reader for this book, the person that it's really going to hit home for, who do you, Im- you know, I am, I, to me, I imagine sort of the
1: student who has seen some of these movies and is interested in leadership and maybe is taking a class or trying to develop themselves. One thing that I do a lot in my teaching is I really draw on people's experiences and their interests. So, you know, they may not think of their job as something where leadership is important or where they have influence. But when we talk about topics, they start to see, oh, this is why this happened, or this is how I could influence this in the future. To me, kind of the flip side of that is popular culture, mm-hmm. which is popular culture is this thing we all kind of understand and and like And so it's just frivolous entertainment. But this frivolous entertainment is something that we can learn from as well and kind of think through topics and learn and get better. And so both Cy and I, you know, use clips from various movies and various things in our class. And so these things that maybe weren't thought of for you're gonna learn a valuable Mm -hmm. lesson, like the PSAs we saw in the 80s and 90s. Rather, it's that that fun content is actually something you you can learn from. So I think this is definitely a, a great book for. Even people that just want to be a better leader and want to learn it in a fun way, engaging way. <laughs> to me, this book is, is great is great for that type of audience. And so it fits really closely to me in the outreach type of ideas Sai and I have written about and try to engage in on our own. This thing where you already like Marvel, It being a leader in your workplace or in your life would help your life. This book will sort of hit both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of my feeling, at least audience wise.
0: Yeah. And I'll add that, you know, for listeners of this show, if you're an undergraduate or even a graduate student in IO psych or a related field, and you're interested in learning more about leadership practices, this is also a fun way for you to learn that as well. You know, obviously you're going to spend more of your time, you know, doing research on primary sources, but as a way to present almost like a a specialized boutique kind of literature review that's the that's the weird model i have in my mind of this is that it's not about new research or developing a new theory it's about taking what we already know and putting it into a context that the audience can relate to understand and hopefully finds a little more fun and engaging than you know the 12th time they've heard about southwest airlines or zappos or you know the small handful of companies that that tend to we tend to rely on for these kinds of things.
1: Yeah. So I I would say too, is it's empirically supported work. It's good theory. Cause especially for an area like leadership, there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of individual case study with many of those being, frankly, not very helpful or not very (laughs) applicable in other circumstances. Right. So we've got, we've got stories of a leader that was successful and we should all do the same thing. And so in this, we are using that empirical work we're translating, we're putting in sort of a fun frame, but you are learning stuff that is fact has been supported Mm. and is, you know, we have the research to back it up, which I think is one of the pieces that gets lost when people try to become a better leader or learn stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there that is very anecdotal and doesn't necessarily apply across situations.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I actually talked about this a little bit with Mike when I interviewed him uh, about the Star Wars book, book last year was, you know, usually when it comes to business books, you have a choice of something that is kind of fun to read, but really lacks that empirical support. Most books that you can get at an airport is the way I, call, I describe them as airport books, or you'd get something that is more empirically supported, but usually pretty dry written by academics for other academics what i love about the books in this series is that you don't have to compromise you get both you know the fun of reading about something really engaging but you don't have to compromise on the the empirical validity of what you're reading it's not just you know some consultant's idea or, or someone randomly going through exploring some data this is all based on you know the existing body of research so with that I want to turn back to Cy and ask you this, you know, I mentioned earlier, I have this sort of naive model in my mind of these books as being kind of like boutique literature reviews where, you know, you and Gordon sit down and there's all this stuff that, you know, and you figure out how you're going to fit it into these examples. But can you think of something that you learned new about leadership in the course of writing this book, just anything memorable that stands out for you?
2: So that's an interesting question because, you know, I don't know if I, if I necessarily learned something new. I think the most interesting part about writing the book is thinking about the application of this theory in a, in a new way you know, Mm -hmm. so for example, Gordon has a great chapter about authenticity and an iron man, right. And you know how Tony Stark, you know, he's just always himself and he kind of learns how to rein himself in a little bit in terms of being, becoming a better leader but i you know but that's something that we see very often where you know leaders end up developing and changing and becoming more authentic more true to themselves and that can become an asset for them i think one of the things that i was uh, also surprised by as i was thinking about and as we were writing the book i we i wrote a chapter about uh, succession and that was mostly based around uh, the movie black panther and partly based around the film uh, thor and Thor, the dark world. And those books are about kind of succession planning and what it, you know, the chapters about succession planning and those movies Mm -hmm. are sort of about succession planning. But Mm -hmm. when you think about a battle for the throne in a movie, you don't always think about, well, who's, who's necessarily the best, uh, the best leader in this situation. And one of the interesting things of, um, one of the interesting things that happens when you're extremely online, like I am, and you kind of follow a little bit of the, the discussion is that there's a lot of people that that like Killmonger from Black Panther even though he's the villain of the movie he's very compelling he's a very compelling person we kind of talk about well why is he not a good leader well partly it is because he doesn't really care about the country of Wakanda he's really all about himself even though his ideas are very compelling and in many ways he's he's right that doesn't necessarily make him the best leader whereas you know T'Challa the Black Panther is a better leader because he does care about the people. He really puts himself a second and puts everybody else uh, first in front of him. And he's able to forgive in ways that his enemy, Killmonger, is not able to to do that. He's able to make enemies into friends and even offers Killmonger the opportunity to to live, which Killmonger refuses. And I, I think that was something that I really was surprised by as we were watching the movies again it was like wow there's there's succession planning in this because if you mm-hmm. if you'd asked me when we started this project how many succession planning examples are we going to get in in this movie series uh, i, I would have said zero so i think i think that was really really interesting about about this whole experience is kind of reframing and taking what we know and really actively applying it to to the films and you know my experience of doing that is it is i think hope helpful for many fans of the marvel cinematic universe who happen to be ios and hopefully it gives them a chance to like really think through you know the experience of of other people you know they're kind of coming to terms with what these leadership theories mean in real life you know in terms of
0: of leadership development and you know it's interesting to me because i did watch black panther and i had the same kind of reaction as some of the other folks you talked to about killmonger's character and like oh yeah you know i found myself nodding along a couple of times like yeah he's right about that and that was just more complex than i expected from a superhero movie you know the the old stereotype is that they're very one-dimensional and the good guy is always like you know 100% good and the villain's 100% a supervillain But in reality, that's, you know, about as dumb as the stereotype about country music being about losing your dog in your truck, even though there's no songs about that. There aren't really comics, at least that I've read, or or comic book movies that are that, you know, black and white about the good versus evil thing. There's actually some complexity there. And it does, to your point, really does relate well, I think, to things like succession planning and uh, talent calibration. Because it's not as if you're in those meetings and like one person is, well, this is clearly the the best and this other person is clearly the worst. You know, there are, you know, it's a comparative kind of thing. So the complexity of the story told in the movie lends itself really well. Examples of succession planning, which gosh, you know, I'm sure the filmmakers weren't thinking that. And obviously we weren't thinking that when we first watched it, but it's there, right? You know, and it, it does also, I think, raise raise my general opinion of the quality of the movies because it reflects the complexities of reality uh, in a way that I didn't expect them to. Gordon, there's a lot of content in this book about shared leadership, conflict, and collaboration. And it seems to me that co-writing a book with someone else is a situation where a lot of those ideas or practices are relevant. Can you think of a time while writing this book with where life reflected art, so to speak, and you had to apply some of these practices to collaborate successfully.
1: Well, I one, one great thing with the book and working with Sai is, you know, we've worked together before on (laughs) projects. And so I think it definitely helped us to put us in a space where, you know, we could talk about these things and work together. You know, this is Sai's first book. It's his first, I don't think he's done a book chapter if I remember correctly before. Even, and so the idea of what, what is a book, not, I think size read a book before I'm pretty sure, but you know, what is the writing process for a book is something where we can go back and forth and talk about it and figure out what we're doing. And so hmm. I think that's one of the shared leadership parts is it's not just one person driving the bus the whole time. And that's something we tried to make sure we talked through is, okay, what's the structure we want? How is this going to play out? How are we dividing work on this was mm-hmm. something I think was really important in making sure we were on the same page that we agreed and that this was this was sort of the book that we wanted to do. And there's so much translation to this, right? As we submit a relatively short proposal and then they say, get it done, you know, in 10 months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then from that really small seed, we, we've got to make that tree grow up all that way and figure out how we can do that together. And so I think it, you know, I think that was, that was definitely a great experience in the book is just figuring out how do we work together and Mm -hmm. what, what, what are the different strengths or weaknesses? How do we want to create a process that works? Yeah. It's it's a, it's a very unique thing. Mm -hmm. It's a lock, it's a long, it's not a long book, you know, it's a hundred something pages, but it's a lot longer than anything we've written individually
0: (laughs) before that we've collaborated on. And it's really well-structured as well. So I'll share this for the benefit of the readers. One thing that kind of drives me crazy about nonfiction books generally is that, you know, I'll read, I'll highlight, I'll take notes, but it's really on me as the reader to figure out, okay, what's the most important stuff that I want to try to retain? And of course, you're free to do that here, but what what Gordon and Cy have done, and I think it's going to be repeated throughout this series, is the, the, the first chapter really does lay out okay, here's, here's what this book is about, here's what it's going to contain, so you know what to expect. And then at the end, the very last chapter is kind of a quick summary of everything that you just learned, if you learned it. And so, you know, I've read the book, I really enjoyed it, and I now know that I can go to that last chapter and see a summary of what I've read, and that sort of brings it up in long-term memory. So some of that work was done for me as a reader, so I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say for that And
1: you know, Mike Urich with his Star Wars book and his Lord of the Rings book in the series. I read those books. They were a lot of fun and I loved how he organized that. <laughs> so <laughs> when we were writing our book, we both agreed to follow a pretty similar format to him in terms of here's the intro that sets it up. Here is the end of chapter lessons. And I think it's a great way. Yeah. To be that, you know, you read a chapter and at the end you're like, well, hopefully I remember it. With this format, I think it's a it's a genius format that Mike came up with, and we're very happy to say this is the right, you know, we've got our own particular elements and we do it, but that model, that model is what we want to do to make sure people understand.
0: Very good. Sai. what was the last MCU movie, TV show or comic that you experienced? Like what's the most recent for you?
2: Most recent is uh, is Moon Knight. So I've been watching Moon Knight. You know, during, you know, since it's as it's been coming out, though, I did recently rewatch the first Thor movie because my wife was interested in, re- in watching the Thor movies. She hmm. never she'd never seen the first one. And so, you know, th- those are the two things that I think I've, I've seen. And I, I do pretty I do pretty regular rewatches of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, just trying to get the most out of the Disney
0: Plus membership. You know, I'm shocked, shocked to hear that your wife would be interested in watching the Thor movie series, you know, for the same reason I might be interested in watching Black Widow. But my question for you is, when you watch Moon Knight now, mm-hmm. are, are you able to just enjoy it as an entertainment or is your brain permanently in like, oh yeah, I'm looking for those themes and patterns now? It, it's funny
2: you ask that because when when I was watching the MCU movies before you know before we started writing the book and maybe this is partly because you know I'm a, I'm a professor but the connections would kind of happen on their own and and I think mm. that maybe being a teacher you know and and teaching of multiple classes you're looking for you know maybe subconsciously looking for things that are good illustrations of concepts that are in you know that are in your in your textbooks and that can help you relate to uh, that audience, I, I know that I also uh, use some of these MCU movies and TV shows as reference points in, in coaching clients. So, you know, an executive coaching or leadership coaching, uh, sometimes if I need an example and I know a client has seen a movie, I'll, you know, let them know like, Oh, Hey, you remember this movie? This is what happened. Here's how it relates to your particular situation. So I I can kind of turn my brain off and enjoy Moon Knight of, you know, for what it is, but I can also, you know, I think if I ingest enough Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, eventually I start to draw those connections Mm -hmm. and it's a very natural process, partly because of that, that teaching experience.
0: I can imagine you as the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's pointing at the television screen. Oh, there's succession planning. There's leader member exchange. <laughs> so it sounds That's like right. Yeah. So it sounds like the receptors were were live and active even before this book was a germ of an idea. Gordon, what's next for you and Cy? I know you have a, a long-term sort of working relationship. Are are you working on any other books in this series or anything else we should know about?
1: Yes, we do have a second book in this series we're working on, which is uh Leadership and Avatar, The Last Year, which is just a fantastic series. It's not something we're too old to have grown up with it, but it is one of those series isn't coming out in 2000, in the mid 2000s that a lot of people grew up with this and now they're starting to be in leadership roles, they're working. And so it's a very exciting area to be, to be writing on. And just in, in watching that series, it's, it's a great fit with the different leadership concepts. You've got these sort of a very interesting cross-cultural aspect of that between the various tribes in Avatar The Last Airbender. You've got kind of some non-traditional type of leaders and sort of a need to work together that I think is is really interesting. So it's kind of very different to, to some degree than Marvel Cinematic Universe, which allows us to focus on some different elements of leadership that didn't that don't necessarily connect as much. And so that's a book that we're in the process of writing right now. It also is one that I think actually is would be great for a class or, a, you know, for t- talking to a client because we're thinking about the chapters a lot of what's an episode that illustrates. And so the idea that you could pop in a 28 minute ep- episode and say, we're watching this and we're talking about shared leadership is, is really exciting from a, how do you get people to learn these concepts? Because the Marvel movies still are long, right? There's hell yeah. over two hours and stuff. It takes time. That was one thing, even with a book and reviewing, you're like, well, I got to devote two and a half hours <laughs> to the next Marvel movie because <laughs> I'm writing a chapter on it. Avatar is just very easy. Yeah, I'm working on a chapter right now, and I just popped in the episode, watched it while feeding my infant son at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so as i germinating my head, it was very easy to do. Couldn't have watched an Iron Man movie in that time, but, you know. One episode of Avatar was very easy to do. Yeah. So that's a project that we're working on right now. Cy and I are always working on a number of things. We've been working on some stuff related to gig workers and the gig economy. We've got a number of different uh, projects going currently. As you know, as academics, we keep busy. A lot of things all happening at once, (laughs) at least how we do it. I don't know. Maybe some people are sequential, but my sequence is about, you know, 30 things going at the same time different spots and hopefully they all don't converge in one point where they all have to be done.
0: <laughs> so let's jump back to this book then. Thank you for sharing that. So si, when, what is the release date for, for this book for leaders assemble?
2: So leaders assemble leadership in the Marvel cinematic universe comes out June 7th and it is available for pre-order right now, wherever you can get a book.
0: Yeah. And I will include a pre-order uh, link to a pre-order page for this book. And listeners, I want to thank you for listening as always, and hope you'll buy a copy of this book and that you'll enjoy it as much as I did. And here's a little secret. I enjoyed this book very much, despite the fact that I am one of the few people left on planet Earth that's not really that much of a Marvel fan. Uh, So I think you will like it. Gordon and Cy, thank you both for being on the show again. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I can't wait to see what the world does with your book. Thanks so much. Great to be here. (laughs) Thank you very much, Ben.